<clears throat> it's an honor to be able to speak on um, pastor appreciation. It really is. It's, um, it's an honor. I, I want to make sure that we understand, and I think we do. I think that's why one thing I really appreciate about this house is that we're, we're alert, we're awake, we're woke, you know, whatever they're calling it these days. <laughs> mm, there it is. Yeah. We have great leaders here. And I think it's appropriate before, before we get into the word, just to let you know something you already know, you have great leaders. The one thing that I really appreciate about the, about the pastoral staff here is that, you know, one thing I, I love about them is that they read their Bible and they spend time in prayer for themselves before they do it for you. They have a relationship with God for themselves. They understand that without him, they can do nothing. There are a lot of people standing in pulpits who prepare messages for the congregation and neglect the personal relationship for themselves. The pastoral staff here, when they minister, they minister out of the overflow. When Dr. King gets up here, he's full because he spent time with Jesus. When Pastor Daniel gets up here, when Pastor Josh gets up here, when um, the rest of the pastoral staff, when they're in children's ministry, they flow, they flow, they flow out of the overflow. And that's a precious, that is a precious thing. It's hard to preach empty. <laughs> and I can tell you that your, your pastors and, and your in the team here, they, they minister out of the overflow. They prioritize the presence for themselves. And they let the, the splash from the bucket get on you. That's an important thing. Can we do something? Can we stand? I, um, <clears throat> I like to pray. In pre-service prayer, we felt that um, people were going to hear from the Lord this morning. And we feel that some of you have decisions you need to make and you're in conflict with going left or going right or pursuing something new. And we just sense the Lord is going to speak directly to you this morning. You're going to know exactly what you need to do. So can we just lift out our hands like this? Can we just, I, I want you to ask the Lord, say, Lord, speak to me. I can't pray for you. Pray for yourself right now. Say, Lord, speak to my heart in any way you want to. Give us direction. God, we're not interested in human wisdom. We want heavenly wisdom this morning. Your word says that if we lack wisdom and we ask for it, that you would give it to us freely. So God, we ask for wisdom in these times right now. Wisdom for families, wisdom for fathers, wisdom for mothers, wisdom for students, wisdom for little children. Fill, fill, fill our five-year-olds up with wisdom from heaven right now. God, we thank you for wisdom. We thank you for your direction. Holy Spirit, you are the perfect one, and you live on the inside of us, so we can get perfect wisdom from you. We don't have to guess. We don't have to flip a coin. We can lean into your presence. We can hear your voice. We can feel your peace, and we can walk confidently knowing that you will never leave us astray. We're not a lost people, and we're most certainly not afraid, for you are with us, and if you are for us, then who can be against us? We thank you right now, God, that you 
you're the God that knows all things, and we thank you, God, that you're not surprised by anything. And so we thank you, God, that you have a way for us. You're a way-making God, even when there seems to be no way. God, you're not afraid of 2020. You knew it was coming, and you know exactly what to do. And so, Father, over these next few moments, I thank you on the balcony, on the floor, and online that we connect to your wisdom. Ah, and you lead us the way you've always led us into with peace. So we thank you for it, God. We just thank you for peace to fill the house right now in the name of Jesus. Help us see us. Help us see you this morning. Let us behold your beauty. Let us behold your glory. We love you, Lord. Come on. Can we just thank the Lord for one moment? Come on. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. You're good. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, You know, one thing that I've learned about prayer is that the most important thing said in prayer is not necessarily what you say to God, it's what God says to you. Prayer is a conversation with the Lord. It's a give and take. He wants to speak. The Bible says that if you knock, if you ask, you should be ready for a response. If you knock, the door will open. If you ask, an answer will come. And so it's important for us to remind ourselves that prayer is not just a God I hope and I wish and I pray. Amen. And then go throughout your day. God hears you. And we've got to learn to position our hearts so that we can receive the answer. Amen. Man, um, I just want to shout out to all of you who helped us with white noise. Every single leader, every single volunteer, you guys rock. You know, when the altar is full with young people worshiping the Lord and crying out for the fire of God, it does something to your soul. It makes me think, man, I should be right up there with them. It gives me hope. And a year that we really need it, it gives me hope to see a young generation silence the rocks in the city and say, you know what? There were no rocks will cry out for us, at least for this weekend. We're going to silence the rocks and we're going to worship King Jesus. That gives me hope. It gives me hope. So one of the things that I want to do this morning, I feel the Lord um, had dropped something on my heart for you all, for our family this morning, and I have one mission in mind, and that is to raise and elevate the level of hope in your life. So I'm a preacher. I'm not smooth like Dr. Ken with these huge elaborate words and this juicy jargon and these grand stories that bring you across this path. And when he starts, you're like, whoa, this is going to be good. And then when he finishes, you're like, whoo, what in the world? That was amazing. You know, I'm not like that. I'm more, I'm, I spit sometimes and I'm, and I'm um, loud. And I would appreciate if you responded a little bit back to me. So the more that you engage with me, the quicker and easier this will be. If you stay quiet, it's going to be long and painful. I have the microphone in this back. Battery life is going to last a long, long time. Come on, man. A long time. Let me read a scripture to you real quick. If I can find it. Here we go. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 says this. To live like this is 
all very important and urgent. For the time is running out, and you know it's a strange hour in human history. It is time for us to wake up. This is the hour to wake up. Why? Because the night's darkness is dissolving away, and a new day of destiny dawns. A new day of destiny dawns. The, 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 the scripture here says, now is the time. This word time in the Greek is the word kairos. Kairos, the Greek word, the definition of kairos speaks of the quality of time. Time is measured on a quantity level. This word kairos for time is talking about the quality of time. It's talking about the richness of the hour. It's talking about there's intensity in the moment. There's a purpose. There's something happening in the atmosphere. There's something happening amongst us right now. There's not just another church service. It's not just another Sunday. It's not just another gathering. Something specific is in the atmosphere. It is kairos. It's a unique time. It's God's divine favor and God's divine timing colliding with God's people. That's what Kairos is. And he says, so this is the time. The time is urgent. And then it says, for this is the hour. Now, this word hour here in the Greek is really interesting. It's basically, it basically means that um, not, Kairos is a, is a um, uh, what's the word, is a, is, a, is a unique time. The word hour there is a magnification of that time. It speaks of a unique moment within the unique time. So Kairos is a season, hour is a moment. And it says this, it says, this is Kairos, and you are in the hour to do what? To wake up. Okay, three people over there got it. Let me try it over here. This is the season of Kairos, and this is the hour to wake up. If, you're, if, if, this, if this is telling us that we have to wake up, it means that some of us have fallen asleep. And so the Lord is telling us this morning, not only is this the season, but this is the hour, this is the moment. Hear the word of the Lord and respond to it. Wake up. Wake up. This is the hour. This is the season to wake up. The interesting thing about the word hour there is it talks about this particular moment. It's present now, but it won't be present forever. So there's special emphasis on the moment. Seize the moment. You may not get it again. There's a special grace on the moment. Seize the moment. This is your hour. Seize the moment. And so what I want to do this morning, what I feel the Lord has asked me to do this morning, is to stir us, to wake us, and to elevate hope in this place. Hebrews chapter 11, we all, or most of us know, some of us know, I don't know, I think we all know, a lot of us know, this particular passage of um, scripture talks about, Hebrews 11 is like the chapter of heroes of faith, right? The first half of it is really good, the last half of it is really bad. Both of them are heroes of faith. Some, some lived in it and some died by it, by it, but either way, they're all heroes of faith. It's a rich chapter. You know, it's fun to preach and it's fun to counsel people. You gotta live by faith, you gotta live by faith, you gotta live by faith, but when it's time to live it, it's another thing. And, and so, so they take a whole chapter in Hebrews to show us people who didn't just talk it, but they walked it. They didn't, it's not a good sermon. It was a lifestyle. Yes. 
And so it's a powerful chapter, and I would encourage you to go back and read it. Uh, it's, it's really, really good. But for me, the most powerful part of this chapter is found in the first sentence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is what? Substance for what? Things hoped for. Let that settle in your heart. Faith is the substance for things hoped for. Friends, let me encourage you. I think during this time, some of you have been like, man, I don't think my faith is very strong. I'm low on my faith. Can I encourage you? I don't think it's your faith. I think it's your hope. We're going to elevate your level of hope. See, see, I think some of you have been beating yourselves up. Like, I, I was supposed to be a man of God or, or a woman of God. I was supposed to be a mother of faith. And my faith is just an all-time low right now. Can I encourage you? There's nothing wrong with your faith. You just need to get your hope up. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if your hope is low, your substance is going to be low. I, I put it this way. I think that hope is a platform for faith to rest on. Hope is a platform for, things to, for your faith to rest on. And so what we need to do is get your hope up. And one of the um, favorite characters for me in the Bible is Moses. You guys know who Moses is? I love Moses. Moses, his life is so encouraging because his life is completely out of control. That's super encouraging, right? How, how many of you have ever felt a little bit out of control this year? I mean, for real. If 2020 taught us anything, it was that life has a way of showing us that we are not in control. Pastor Daniel told me in March he took his 2020 calendar and threw it away. Uh, this, we're definitely in a season where it doesn't seem like we have any sort of control. So Moses' life is extremely encouraging. He was born in the middle of a genocide. and He was secluded. He was raised in darkness and isolation up he was three months old, and then his mom had to surrender him to the Nile, and he was put into a Nile River where the, oh man, see, see Moses' life is crazy out of control, you see. Moses ends up getting adopted by the people that enslaved his people. Talk about confusion. You think teenagers are really struggling right now? Can you think about Moses being 100% Hebrew on the inside, being raised by Egyptians on the outside? You want to talk about a conflict of trying to figure out, am I Egyptian, or am I Hebrew, or or where am I, or what am I, what am I doing? I'm talking about, it was probably pretty unstable in his life, and as he grows up in a foreign culture, he ends up seeing that his, his, his people, you know, his nation being put in captivity, and there's this moment where this, where this slave owner is beating down the slave, and he intervenes and ends up killing the slave owner, and he's like, whoops, that wasn't good, and so after that, he has to run and flee for his life, and he ends up in a place he was not expecting to be, and through the journey, he is out in the field, and, and boom, there's a bush and it's on fire and it's burning, but it's not being burnt up. And then all of a sudden to make things stranger, the bush begins to talk to him and the burning bush claims to be God and all of these things. So Moses' life is crazy, crazy, crazy out of control. And then this burning bush that claims to be God says, I've called you for something. I'm sending you back to where you ran from. And your name is Moses. You were drawn out of the water, but it's got a deeper meaning. I'm getting ready to draw my people out of captivity. Moses' life is 
strange. And so it gives me confidence and comfort because it does not matter the circumstance and it doesn't matter, it does not matter the situation. God's call in your life is yes and amen. It doesn't matter if you find yourself in Egypt or in the wilderness. When the burning bush shows up and speaks destiny into your life, there is nothing that can stop it. 2020 has not ruined the call in your life. 2020 hasn't ruined the word of God in your life. 2020 has not silenced it. Let me tell you something. The thing that God called for you in the beginning of the year still stands. We may be taking a journey that we weren't expecting, but it still stands. Come on, I need you to get your hope up. I need you to get your hope up. There are, there are several things throughout this, throughout this season, I think, that we have suffered from, and so I just, I kind of want to encourage you through Moses' life. Have you ever prayed and God did not respond? Anybody? You ever said, God, where are you? And the response was, Anyone? Anyone? Talk about discouraging, especially right now. God, what's going on with my job? This wasn't the plan. Silence. God, my kids are driving me crazy. Silence. God, what's going to happen with our career, with our family? We got bills to pay. Silence. You want to talk about discouraging. Think about, like, in my moment of need, in, my, in the hour that I need the Lord. He's not responding. I'm like, God, you chose not to talk now. You wanted to talk when everything was good, but not now. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 says this. The Lord said, this is God talking to Moses. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. This is crazy to me because the, 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 the Hebrew nation is crying out to God, but God is talking to Moses. The Israelites are crying out to God saying, help, help, help. But God is talking to Moses. Why is he talking to Moses? Moses left Egypt. He, he abandoned everybody. Why is he talking to Moses? The Israelites are talking to God, but God's talking to Moses. I bet you in 2020, there have been more prayer coming from America and around the world saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? What is going on right now? But God, God's likely not saying anything. We're like, what in the world is going on? Let me get your hope up. The encouraging thing to me is just because God isn't talking to you doesn't mean he's not talking to your answer. Just because God is not talking to you doesn't mean he's not saying something. I want to encourage you. God hears your prayers. He sees your heart. He says, I've seen the suffering of my people and I am going to do something about it. It's just not going to be the way you thought it was going to be. Let me encourage you, when God is seemingly quiet, he is talking to your answer. Keep on praying, don't give up. Isn't it in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel the prophet is crying out for God in turmoil times and saying, God, I need some help here. I need some direction. I need some wisdom. And he had to pray that prayer for 21 days. And then the angel shows up and says, yo, Daniel, I just wanted to let you know, the first time you prayed, we heard from heaven and I was on the way. The problem is there was some spiritual stuff in the spirit realm that was trying to block your answer. And so what I had to do, I didn't give up, but what I had to do was I had to go back and get some help I went back and got my boys and we showed up. We broke through this thing so we could deliver your answer. Just because God's not talking to you doesn't mean your answer is not on the way. Get your hope up. Get your hope up. Get your hope up. Get your hope up. Let your hope soar right now. God hears his people. 
the answer is coming. The second thing I think is, could be discouraging to some people this year. So I don't think any of us were planning to take the route that we are taking this year. Isn't it true? This is not in the plan. Who put pandemic on your calendar? I don't think any of us did. Exodus 13, 17 says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them through the desert to the Red Sea. Here's the interesting thing about this. When God talked to Moses, he said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. He talks about two locations, out of Egypt and into the promised land. Out of Egypt and to the promised land. Nowhere does he say anything about a wilderness. He said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, (laughs) and I'm going to take you to the promised land. But you see, when God does a work and he calls you, he does a full work. He does things in totality. So not only was he going to draw them out of Egypt, but he was also going to take Egypt out of them. And so it was going to take a wilderness to restructure their mind and restructure their thinking. It was going to take their wilderness to restructure the perspective. I know this was not the plan, and I know we weren't planning on going this way, but just because we didn't plan it doesn't mean God isn't in control. Let me encourage you, if your life is on a path right now that you weren't planning for, but it doesn't mean God isn't in control. You know, sometimes God will give you the direction before he gives you the details. Sometimes he'll give you the direction before he gives you the details. We have this promise here in Scripture The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Ooh, he guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the dark valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm is talking about how God is leading. He's in control. This may not be the way we thought we were going, but God knows where we're going. This is interesting here. It's, it says, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. You know, shorter is not always better. Shorter is not always better. It says here, I, I love this. It says, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. This is what this tells me. This tells me that God knows who you are, and he knows the path that you're on, and he knows what battles you can take. 
he's never going to lead you to a place where you're going to fail. He literally moves the Israelites around the Philistine country because he said, look, I got to get Egypt out of you. You're not ready for the Philistines yet. One day you will be, and when you will, you'll send them running. But right now, I got to take you around. I got to make some adjustments. I got to correct some things in your character. I got to check your perspective. I got to change some things. I need you to learn to rely on me and lean on me. God knows what's in your future. He knows what's going to happen in the election. He knows what's going to happen six months from now, 10 months from now. You got to trust him because he knows that the path that you're going on right now, it has good things in store for you. If he's taking you a path that you weren't expecting, trust me, he knows what he's doing. Get your hope up. I know this wasn't the plan, but he knows what he's doing. He's the God that goes before you. He sees before you, so he knows. The third thing I think, um, <laughs> this one's pretty dear to my heart, so um, I, th- I think that for those of us who have said, you know what, I'm going to follow the Lord. And then it says here in Exodus 14, 16, or before there in, in chapter 14, it says that, that God led them out of Egypt to the Red Sea? To the Red Sea? Really? The problem with this is there's an Egyptian army on my back side and a sea in my front side. Now what? Where do we go? How many of you have ever followed the Lord and it seems like he led you to a place where you felt stuck? But can I tell you something? Let me get your hope up. The good news about God is that when you're, we're following him, he never leads you into a corner. He never backs you up. He never puts you in a place where you can't, uh, where you can't move, where you can't flourish, where you can't grow. He never puts you in a place that you're stuck. God doesn't do that. He doesn't. He says, it says this in uh, Hebrews 14, 16. He says, Moses, I know you feel stuck, but raise your staff and stretch out your hands. I'm about to divide the waters before you. It's so encouraging. I want you to get your hope up. With God, you're not stuck. Exodus is an interesting book. It's referring to the exodus, the exit of the Israelites out of captivity. But the first thing it seems like God does is take us to a Red Sea. And I, I think it would be easy to say, we are in huge trouble right now. God has led us into a corner. But it's in those moments where God says, look, Moses, what do you have in your hand? Take up your staff and take up your hand. Let's part the sea together. When you feel stuck, that's probably a good opportunity for God to do something through you and in your life. When you feel stuck, when you're like, God, I'm following you, but I have an army behind me and I have an impossible situation in front of me, you should probably say, you know what? Wait a minute. You're God. You don't, you don't send me to places that I'm stuck. God, what are we going to do about this? See, God didn't part the Red Sea for Moses. He parted the Red Sea with Moses. I want you to get your hope up. If, if you feel stuck right now, this is an opportunity for you to say, God, this is what I have in my hand. Let's part this Red Sea. 
Come on, don't you believe what we were singing earlier? He's a way maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My, someone help me out here. That is who you are, way maker. I mean, do you think about it? I mean, when we follow God, that oftentimes we're like, holy cow, um, God, it doesn't seem like you're speaking. <laughs> um, it, this is definitely not the way we thought we were going to go. And this is leading me to a dead end, but it's impossible to be in a dead end with God. So look at the impossible situation and say, God, this is what I have in my hands. Take it, bless it, and let's do it. Why don't you to get your hope up? Because the hour is now. And, you know, God doesn't get the last word. He gets the only word. Come on, I want, you, I want you to get your hope up. I want you to get your hope up. I know it doesn't seem like the Lord is answering your prayers right now, but that doesn't mean he isn't talking to your answer. I know that it seems like this was not the way that we were supposed to go, but he's leading you with his rod and his staff. I know, I know it seems like we're stuck right now, but it's an invitation to offer to the Lord, what do I have in my hands? Let's part a Red Sea. Let's bring our family together. Let's bring our home together. I don't know what the limitation is on your life, but this is an opportunity to do something with the Lord. You're not stuck. You're not hopeless. It's not over. You're not done. God is still on the throne, and he wasn't elected. He was established because he is God. No one can elect him in it. No one can elect him out of it. He's not shaken by the circumstances, and he's not worried about what's going on right now. God is God. He's for you. He's not against you. Come on, I need you to get your hope up. You see, you don't have a faith thing. You need to get your hope up. When your hope begins to soar, you can start believing the things of God again. Get your hope up. Get your hope up. God is for you. He's not against you. This is one thing I've learned about the Lord that has really helped me in this season. Uh, A buddy of mine was telling me, Jason, you're preaching out of your last two years of experience. I'm like, oh, my God. I am, I am. I've had to learn that when I'm praying to God and he's not answering doesn't mean the answer isn't on its way. You know, God's good at surprising people. God's good for those who are faithful, for those who continue on to the end. Man, God has a way of just saying, whoop, there it is, just surprising you, man. God is so good. Come on, we gotta get our hope up. But this is something that I've learned over over this last season of my life that has really encouraged me, and this is it. It's that God is consistent in his character, but he's consistently inconsistent in how he does what he does. God is consistent in his character, but he's consistently inconsistent in how he does what he does. Please let me explain this. God is consistent in his character. Listen, this is what the word says about God's character. He is the God that changes not. Micah 3, 6 says that I am the Lord and I don't change. Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character is consistent. His character is sure. What does that mean? That means that if he was a healer yesterday, he's a healer today, and he'll be a healer forever. What is that? How does that? Why does that encourage me? Why does it get my hope up? Simple. If he provided for you yesterday because he's consistent in his character, he's a provider today, and he'll be a provider forevermore. I don't know what you need from the Lord, but 
you can go back and look at his track record. He is consistent in his character. He shows up on time yesterday. He'll show up on time today, and he'll show up on time forevermore. If he forgave you yesterday, he will forgive you today, and he'll forgive you forevermore. If he loved you yesterday, he will love you today, and he'll love you forevermore. He does not change. God is consistent. But how he does what he does, not so much. God feeds the Israelites in the wilderness with quail and manna. And then there's a prophet of God who gets fed, supplied by the Lord through birds. And then Jesus, at the end of his 40-day fast, gets nourished and fed by angels. The provision is met every single time it's just done a little bit differently. Look at the ministry of Jesus. We see that Jesus heals one man with blindness by spitting in the dirt and putting it in the mud and making a nice mud pie and popping it in his eyes, and boom, he's healed. There's another situation where we see Jesus, the centurion walks up and says, hey, my servant is sick, and Jesus is like, I'll come to your house. He says, no, I don't need you to. I'm a man of authority. I understand authority. Just speak the word. He didn't have to spit mud in his eyes. He just said, okay, he's healed, just like that, and what happened? The servant was healed. There's another situation where Jesus doesn't even do anything. This woman, she crawls to him and fights for everything that she has and says, if it's Jesus, this can, it's not over yet. I know what the doctor said. I know what my circumstance said. I know how I feel right now, but if I can just get to the hem of the garment of Jesus, it is not over yet. And so she crawls through the crowd. She crawls against culture. She crawls against her strength. She crawls and crawls, touches the hem of his garment and gets healed. Jesus is consistent in who he is, but... <laughs> But things change, you know, and, and the reason why we don't like this is because it takes away control from you and means I have to surrender everything to the Lord. Woo-hoo, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, control is a God thing. We don't belong. We, control doesn't belong to us. We, 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 we uh, get pancaked under the pressure of control. Let me get your hope up. You are free from responsibility of being in control. Oh, man, Jason, no, I don't like that. How is he going to do it? I don't know. I just know he will. How is he going to provide this time? I have no idea, but I know he will. How is he going to answer this prayer? I have no idea, but I know he will. <laughs> I'm learning that, that I'm not writing my story. I'm discovering it. You're not writing your story. You're discovering it. It's an adventure. It's a journey. And the reason why it's set up that way, I believe, is because it requires us to use faith in the Lord. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it's this thing called faith. It's the substance that helps us connect to him, relate to him, live with him, walk with him, be with him. But you see, your faith isn't struggling. You just got to get your hope up. You just got to get your hope up. He's for you. He's not against you. He loves you. Come on, stand to your feet. I, I, I got 10 more minutes, man. I could tell a joke. Whatever. I could do whatever I wanted. But guess what? When the Lord says you're done, you're done. <laughs> I love it. Can we pray real quick? For those of you that are watching online and all of our friends in the balcony and all of our friends on the floor, if you feel like you're Hope is low. 
but you sense the stirring of hope arising, I want you just to raise your hand real quick. I see him. I see it. Oh, my, 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 my. Get your hope up, God. Right now we pray. Come on, as a church family. Come on, can, can church family, can we just extend our hands to those right now? Come on, and let's just, as a family, can we just declare hope arise right now? Right now, oh, precious Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're coming to bring hope. You're coming to, to lift up our heads to see that our salvation draws near. God, I thank you right now that you and you're stirring our hope and getting our hope levels up. I don't know what the circumstance is. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know necessarily what you're facing right now, but I can tell you this. Your God is for you, and he's not against you. And, if, and, and, and who can be against you if God is for you? He is for you, not against you. Come on, get your hope up. Get your hope up. God, I pray right now that hope would arise right now. I sense that some of you are concerned about your future jobs and your future careers. God has already been there. He's the God that goes before you, and he's the God that provides. You just keep your hope up. Keep your eyes on Jesus and you will walk. You will literally walk as you follow Jesus. You will literally walk into the next opportunity that he has for you. Get your hope up. Don't be discouraged. He sees all. He knows all and he's preparing a way. I know this is not the way that we thought we were going. I know this is not the way you thought your family was going. I know. I can sense it right now. Some of you are like, my kids are going through things that I, I did not want them to go through. They're into stuff that they shouldn't be into right now. I know this is not the way that you wanted to go, but get your hope up because God is there and God is with you and he's for you and his wisdom is present in the time of need. Come on, get your hope up. The fight is not over. As long as you still have breath, you keep on praising the Lord and you will see breakthrough in that situation. Oh, we declare it right now, God, in Jesus' name, that our hope would soar right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you're taking sickness out of hearts and replacing hope. Mm. And because of the hope that's stirring, I thank you that the substance called faith begins to rise. Mm. I just sense this as Dr. Kramer's coming. I sense this in my heart that as the hope rises and the faith begins to rise, I just hear some of you moms need to grab a hold of that faith and act on it immediately. And maybe that action is declaring the word of the Lord over your family or over your children. I don't know what the action is, but I sense that some of you uh, are going to, that hope is arising, that substance of faith is beginning to stir. You need to act on it immediately. I sense that some of you already know the thing that you need to do. What you needed was this morning's word to get your hope up, stir your faith. I, I, I sense it right now. Some of you need to put action to the thing that God is telling you to do. Now, it's Kairos. This is the season and this is the hour. Do not miss your moment. Lord, we bless the family in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.